You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. I don't know what Stan was about to say, but... <laughs> um, all right, again, good morning. I know we've said that quite a few times, but if you, if you would, could you take your Bibles? At this time, we're going we're gonna, to uh, continue walking through, through the book of Genesis. And if you're new with us this morning, this is, this is what we do here. We take typically one book of the Bible and we walk through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, week by week. Um, and, and this week, we're looking at Genesis, the end of Genesis chapter ni- 19. Genesis chapter 19, starting, starting with verse, uh, verse 20. And as you're, as you're turning there, um, if you've been with us through this progression, this, uh, the, the walk through this book, and we're, we've entitled um, this Introducing God, this walk, walk through Genesis, and if you've been with us very long, hopefully you've, you've picked up a, a few, uh, on a few themes throughout Genesis. One of the themes is, uh, that will come out uh, for sure this morning and has come out through this, through this book that we've seen is a progression and, and the progression goes like this. We, we see people, they, they look, they see, and they act. And we've seen this progression. We, see, we saw it with, with Eve in Genesis chapter 3, where, where she looks at the, at the fruit that God says, hey, don't, don't eat of that. Don't, uh, don't eat of that. You can eat of any other tree. But she looks at the fruit, and she sees that it's good for food, and it's pleasing to the eye. And that, that act of seeing, it's really her interpretation of what she's looking at. She's, she's looking and she's saying, well, this is, this is the way I see it. This is the way I'm looking at it. And then she acts, not out of what God told her to do, but out of her interpretation of the situation. We see the same thing uh, when we look at Cain. We see the same thing when we look at the people when they, when they build the Tower of Babel, where they, they, they hear what God says. God says, multi- like, spread out, multiply, fill the earth. And they look and they see this plain, this, this flat place, and they, they see that it's it's like, man, this is a good place to settle down. How about we just stay here? Let's not do what God said. Let's interpret what we see. And they acted from it, and they built this tower, and they said, let's, let's just make a, a name for ourselves here. We see the same thing in Genesis chapter 13, where, where Lot and Abraham, they separate. And, and Abraham says, hey, you, you choose. Where do you want to go in this land? And Lot, it says that he looked towards Sodom, and he saw that it was well-watered, which is super important in an arid climate. It was well-watered, and he, it, it says that he, he thought it was even like the Garden of the Lord, like the Garden of Eden. And he, and he acted out of that. Even though Sodom was this wicked place, even though the Bible says that their sins were great, he looked, he saw, he acted. And it's this progression that we see throughout. And what I want you to see this morning is that this isn't just a, a, a a Bible thing. This isn't just a Genesis thing. This is a human thing. We, we do the same thing. And oftentimes when we, when we look at our situations and when we see it and we interpret what's going on and then we act out of that, oftentimes we're not acting out of a, out of a realization of who God is. We're not acting out of a realization of what God can do in the middle of difficult situations. We're acting out of Maybe it's pain, maybe it's hurt, maybe it's fear, maybe it's uh, my desires for my future. And yet what I want you to see this morning as we go through, through this passage, as we, as we look at the end of 19 and into, into chapter 20, what I want you to see this morning is that when we respond to situations with who we know God to be, when we, when we look and see and act out of who we know God to be, then we get to be who God calls us to be. 
Okay, let me say that one more time. When we respond to situations with who we know God to be, then we get to be who God calls us to be. Let's, let's, let's read this. Genesis, starting with chapter 19, we're in verse 30. It says, Now Lot went up out of Zor and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zor. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old. There's not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Verse 34, the next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made the father, their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Verse 36, thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. Let's just stop there. All right, can we just all agree that this is a pretty messed up situation? Like, happy Mother's Day, right? I mean, who <laughs> we planned out? We, but this is what happens, right? This is what happens when you, when you try and take books of the Bible. We, we, we hold Scripture highly. We believe God is speaking to us through Scripture, and so we don't want to just gloss over the uncomfortable parts. And so when we come to this situation, what I want you to see is there is a progression and there's a progression that brought them to this place. The first thing that we see here in, in this situation is Lot takes his daughters, his remaining family, out of this town. Because why? Because he's afraid to live there. Now, if, if you were here last week, it gives you a little bit of context. The beginning of chapter 19 talks about the destruction of Sodom, destruction of this wicked city and actually the cities around it in this valley. And we read that God comes to this, this city. He sends his angels into this city, this place that is, that is incredibly sinful, incredibly depraved. It's, it's this city full of people who are allowing their sinful desires to just run away with them. And, and God, he, he passes judgment on the city and he tells Lot, he says, go, you and your family, go, leave this place because we're going to destroy this city. And if you have anybody else here, get them too. Go, we're going to destroy this place. And so Lot, it says that he went and he tried to get his uh, future son-in-laws, his, his daughter's future, well, no, daughter's fiancés at the time. And he says, come with me. God's going to destroy the place. And they're like, oh, Lot, you're crazy. I mean, they just laugh him off. And so it says that after that, the angels take Lot and his family by the hand and they pull them out of the city and they say, run, run to the mountains, run to the hills, get out of this valley because God's going to destroy it. And, and if, you, if you know the story, Lot says, no, I can't run that far. It's, it's too far. I'll be overtaking too many donuts, not enough cardio. Like, I don't, like, I can't, I can't get there. But what about this town? What about this little city? I mean, it's, it's small, it's, it's kind of out of the way, it's insignificant. What, what about that? What, I can't make it to where you say I should go, but what about this? What about here? And, and we know that on the, on the way, the angels say, okay, go to there, but hurry, hurry. And don't look back, don't, don't, don't stop along the way, don't look back. And we know as they, as they run to the city along the way, Lot's wife stops she looks back, and, and, and I mean, you can, I don't want to read into the text too far, but can you imagine if you were in this situation? 
God comes to you in your home and he says, leave this home, leave this city, leave all that you know because I'm going to destroy it. And she stops in the middle of it and she looks back to the life that she's leaving. I mean, think about all that. She looks back to, to where her house was. She looks back to where all of her possessions were. She looks back to, to where she thought she was going to raise, like have her grandchildren. She, she looked back to, to all of this place and she, she longs for the life that she had. And in that moment... She loses the life that she has. And it says that Lot made it to Zor, him and his daughters, they, they make it to the city, and yet in the midst of it, as they're living there, and I, this isn't the main point of the morning, but I think it's important to recognize that they, they go to this place, and it wasn't God's place for them, but it seems as though they were trying to make a life there. We don't know how much time passes, but this place that wasn't God's place it wasn't a good place for them. And, and that happens lots of times. When we flee and when we run to things that aren't God things, we know that it's not what God has for us. We know that, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't where God wanted us to be, but, you know, it's, it's fine and, and it's the culture we live in and all these different excuses. When we go to places and when we, when we try and make a home in places that aren't God places, you'll realize pretty quickly they're not good places. Amen? You can't, find, you can't find rest in places that aren't God places. You can't, it, no matter how hard you try, you can't, you can't make a home in places that aren't God places. Pretty soon you're going to recognize that there's no security in places that aren't God places. I need to get out of here. And that's what happens with Lot. So he takes his daughters, his remaining family, and he goes and he lives in a cave out of this valley. And, it, and, and, and then we see what happens with his daughters, and we see the progression. But before we jump into that, I want to just point out what Lot does after that, which is nothing, really. Uh, this, is, this is kind of the end of Lot's story in the biblical narrative. And we see that he, he kind of coasts the rest of the way out. He doesn't do anything for the rest of this, the narrative that he is aware of. Do you catch that? He doesn't do anything that he's aware of. In fact, his daughters are left wondering what the next step should be. His daughters are left looking and seeing and acting. His daughters are left trying to figure out what the next step should be, void of their father's influence. See, Lot was super active in, in bringing them to so Sodom. He was, he was super active in bringing them into this place. And yet it seems as though after he experiences the, the wrath of God in that, after he experiences the consequences for his sin, it's almost like he's just, he's just done. He's checked out. You see, it's interesting that Lot's leadership in his family had huge impacts on his family. And yet what we see this morning is that his passivity has just as much impact as his leadership did. You see that? And I, I know that it's Mother's, Mother's Day, but, but guys, I want to talk to you for just a second. We have been called to lead. We have, been given, we have been given a position of leadership, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your friend groups, what, what, whatever it is, we are called to be, to be servant leaders in our homes. We are called to this, and yet so often what we do and how we answer that calling is with passivity. And we, we answer that calling just by checking out, and, and maybe you get home from work, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why you, that might happen. There's a lot of excuses that we could give. Maybe you get home from work, and it's like, man, I've had a rough day. The last thing I want to do is parent. I've had a rough day. The last thing I want to do is sacrificially love my wife. I've had a rough day. I just want to sit down 
in my easy chair and just zone out for a little bit. Don't I deserve that? Maybe, maybe for you, you're, the excuse could be that you would say, well, my dad, you don't know what my dad, you don't know what my dad was like. I come from an abusive home. I saw, I saw male leadership abused in my home. Maybe, maybe your story is, is really difficult, and it's kind of horrific, and it has scared you. It has stopped you. See, that, that makes an impact. When we see leadership, for good or for bad, it makes an impact on the home. But let me tell you, your passivity will have just as much of an impact in your home as bad leadership does. We're called to not, not just check out, but to engage and show up. And it's the same thing what I'm saying. Lot looked and he saw and he acted and he looked and he saw and he's like, I've done too much. I'm, I am too far out of this thing. I'm just going to slink into a cave and just check out. And I'm just going to coast the rest of the way. That's, that's how he acted because of what he saw. And yet men, we can step up and we can say, okay, maybe I have screwed up. Maybe I've done some, some bad things. Maybe, I'm, maybe I don't know what the next step is. But we can act out of who we know God to be when the, God is the God who, who says, hey, yeah, bring me your weakness. I can do something with that. I can do something with humility. So bring that to me. Act out of that. And, and, and women, we, we believe that men and women are created equal. That's what we see in, in the beginning of Genesis. Men and women are created equal, and yet we are created with distinct roles and distinct parts that we play in this life. And I praise God for my godly mother. Praise God for her. Man, there are so many times where I think I would have killed me if I were her. <laughs> I, I can remember coming home sometimes, and, and my, mom, my mom, she's a firecracker. Oh, man. Just, she's, she's small, but she is mighty. Right? And I can remember coming home sometimes and she would just get this shaky voice. <laughs> like she would, she'd be setting up late and I was home way past curfew and she'd go, where have you been? And I was like, oh dear Jesus. <laughs> but I praise God that she never gave up on me, even when I gave up on myself. I praise God that my mom didn't check out and just, just coast the rest of the way and say, well, my son is just a dumpster fire, so I am just, I'm done. She didn't do that. See, and I praise God for that, and, and we need godly men and women to have godly homes, to raise godly children, to, to impact this society and this world for God. Amen? So what we see here is that we can, we can have an impact with our passivity. But it's not for good, and it's not for God. That's what we see in Lot's life. And so not only do we see that, we see the impact of Lot's passivity here. It, it goes on, and, it, and it, we, we look at what the daughters are saying. The firstborn comes to the, the younger daughter, and they begin to, to hatch this plan. And she says, she says, look, our father's old. She's looking at her situation. So our father's old. That, that had huge impact in this culture. It was the father's job to find a husband for his daughters. It was the father's job to kind of negotiate the bridal price. It was the father's job to, to figure out how to, how to care for his, his kids, his, his daughters. And so what, there's, what she's saying is, she's saying, there's nobody to take care of us now. Dad's checked out. He's just coasting. What, what are we going to do? And not only that, but she goes on to say that uh, there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. And, I mean, you might look at that and say, come on, right? There's not a man on earth 
to come into to, and, and to, to provide a, a family for you, to provide a future for you. And she's, she's saying, there's not, there's not a man anywhere on earth to, to come into us. There's not, our father's checked out. There's nobody. And, and think about it. Like, again, in my imagination, I think they are in a cave on the edge of this valley where their home used to be. Think about it. I don't, we don't know how long has, has passed between these things. But if you can imagine, like, you're, you're living in a cave, and every time you leave that cave, you look down into a valley that is just scorched earth. It was the place where your home used to be. It was the place where your, your fiancés used to be. It was the place where your future used to be. It was, the, it was the place where your hope used to be. And now she's looking down into that valley, and she's saying, there is nobody on earth to take care of us now. What was happening in that moment? She was looking at her situation. She was seeing and she was interpreting. And, and what was happening was her trauma of the moment was covering over everything. Her trauma in the moment was overshadowing all of her life. And that happens to us, doesn't it? It reminds me of me in, in the middle of February walking my dog. Right? I don't know if, if you're the same way, but I can remember in February walking the dog. And it's like, it's so cold. I can't even remember what summer's like. It's just like, it's so overshadowing. I'm like, I don't even remember what it was like to wear shorts. Praise God, spring came, and, and it's still cold, but it's warmer now. It's, it's like if you, if you were to shut off your favorite movie right in the middle. Right? Aladdin's coming out soon, which I don't know why they're remaking it. The cartoon was good, and whatever, that's, it's okay. But... Uh, like, if you were to shut off Aladdin, spoiler alert, if you were to shut off Aladdin right after he loses the lamp and Jafar gets all the power, and you're like, well, I don't need to go see that. You should have watched the cartoon anyway. It's going to be better. <laughs> if you shut the movie off at that point, then the rest, of, it's, it's pretty depressing. Right? If, if you shut off Cinderella right after her sisters destroy her dress made by mice, it's like, well, I guess that movie. Or if you, if you stop watching the Avengers movie with Avengers Infinity War... And you're like, that was depressing. Oh, my goodness. Never if, if you don't keep going, then your trauma in the moment, what, how you interpret your situations in the moment, are going to, are, they're going to color everything else. Somebody says, oh, Aladdin, that's a great movie. It's like, really? He lost everything, and he lost the lamp and lost the girl, and, and they all died, and, and super depressing. See, what, what happens in the moment when, when we're in the middle, whether it's, whether it's your sin or whether it's just a difficult situation, when we, when we interpret our situations, when we look and when we see, and we make interpretations, and we start thinking about what are we going to do because of the moment in the middle of our trauma, we're not going to respond with who God is. We're going to respond with fear and trepidation and all these different things. And, and Todd, we were talking about this past week, and he had this quote. I don't know where he got it, but he was saying, there is not a situation so bad that we can't make it worse. When we're in the middle of the situation, right, when we're in the middle of things, and it's like, well, I guess this is all there is. I guess this is it. So what am I going to do? And then we act in the middle of our trauma without, without acting with who we know God to be. There's not a situation that we can't make worse. And that's what, that's what happens with Lot and his daughters. In verse 36 and through 38, it says this, Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. 
There's a reason the author here is saying, okay, look at the Moabites and the Ammonites. They're, they're a, a product of this, of this sin. And he's saying to this day, this is Moses writing this. And he's talking to the people. And they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And you're going to see these two people groups come up again in the biblical narrative. Um, Ligonier Ministry, um, they wrote an article about them. And it's up on the screen. And they said this, Moab led Israel into Baal worship, which is idol worship, on its way into Canaan. Both the Ammonites and the Moabites hired Balaam to curse Israel as it journeyed toward the promised land and were thus forbidden to enter the Lord's assembly. Zephaniah chapter 2, 8 through 10, uh, the prophet Zephaniah says this, I have heard the taunts of Moab and the revilings of the Ammonites, how they have taunted my people and made boasts against their territory. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Moab shall become like Sodom and the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a land possessed by nettles and salt pits and a waste forever. The remnant of my people shall plunder them and the survivors of my nation shall possess them. This shall be their lot in return for their pride because they taunted and boasted against the people of the Lord of hosts. Because, because of Lot's passivity, because of Lot's daughter's actions, when they look and they look at their situation and they interpret it in such a way and they say, well, I guess there's nobody that's going to take care of us, so we got to take, take charge, we got to take control. And their actions, because of all of that, we see that the people of Israel, the, the Ammonites and the Moabites, are a, they are like a thorn in their side from generations to come. See, when we, when we react to things, whether it's out of fear or, or whatever it is because of our current trauma that's overshadowing everything else, when we react in that way to fear, it has impact for generation upon generation. Our passivity will have impacts on our children. And it will have impact on their children and their children. And that's what we see in Lot. This is how his story ends. With passivity and destruction and, and just a, a thorn in the side of his extended family. And they are they're cursed. And yet, we're not going to stop there in the story because that would be pretty bleak, wouldn't it? Let's, let's keep reading. Chapter 20. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar, and Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman who you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now let's stop there. If you've been with us for very long, maybe you're thinking, Wait a second. I've heard this story before. We, we already preached about this before. We already went through this before. And it's like, yes. Yes, we have. It's like, this is deja vu. This is the second time Abraham goes into a place that's not his home. The first time was in Egypt and uh, in, in the end of chapter 12. And he goes in and he's like, Sarah, you, you, are, you got it going on, baby. Like, you, you're good looking. You're so good looking. I might be killed because somebody would be like, hey, I'm going to, I want her as my wife. <laughs> and, and like, he's, he's not trusting God. And he's trying to, he's, he's looking and he's seeing the situation. He's like, we got to come up with something. we got to come up with a plan. Hey, here's the plan. Just say you're my sister. This is the second time that's happening. And, and I love it because the reality is the Bible, the biblical authors, they don't, they don't just make like flawless statues out of their heroes. When you read about David, 
um, sinning with Bathsheba, when you read about Peter continuously putting his foot in his mouth, when you, when you read about Abraham continuing to, to mess up, the, the, Bible, the Bible doesn't just whitewash all the history. And, and we look at that and we say, oh, Abraham's so stupid. Why in the world? This is the second time he's done. Why wouldn't he have learned? If I was Sarah, I'd be, you know, like we, we go through all these things. And what we want to do is we want to demonize him. And we want, you know, if you were going to name your kid Abraham now, it's like, well, I'm not going to do that because that's dumb. Like, but we want to demonize him. But what the Bible does is it humanizes him. And we need that, don't we? Because how often do we continue to screw up in the same way over and over and over again? And it's like, well, God, can God forgive me now? Is there hope now for me right here? Because, because I did this before. I've been here before. And that's what we have with Abraham. He's, he's a human. And he's going through this and he's looking and he's seeing and he's acting. And he's acting contrary to who he knows God to be. And it leads him into this situation. Uh, again, verse Verse 2, the end of verse 2, uh, or verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to, to me, She is my sister? And she herself said, He is my brother. In the inte- integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech, God, is, God has mercy on Abimelech. Abimelech's saying, I didn't know, and, and I haven't consummated this relationship, so will you kill an innocent man? And God's saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn. I'm going to give you an opportunity to walk away from the sin that you have almost committed. And we read on in verse 8, So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. Good job, Abimelech, right? This guy's got it. Verse 10, and Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought there's no fear of God at all in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister and the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place of which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. All right. So what we see here is, is Abimelech, he, he asks Abraham this question. I love it because he's saying, he's saying, look, what did you see? What are we talking about this morning? Aren't we talking about this progression where we look at the situations that we're in, we see things and we interpret it in such a way that it causes us to act. And Abimelech goes to Abraham and he's saying, what did you see? What what happened in this space that caused you to do these things? I, I love it. He's saying, what did you see when you came into the situation that caused you to sin in this way? And Abraham, what's he say? He says, well, I thought... Right? He, he says, what I saw, how I interpreted the situation, was they don't fear God. 
And they're going to take my life if I don't say that she's my sister. They don't fear God. And so I need to do something to, to try and save myself. Because, because God, I don't, I don't know if God's going to save me here. I don't know if, if God is truly going to bless those who bless me and curse those who curse me. And so, so Abimelech is saying, what happened here? And he's saying, well, this is what happened. And so I acted. See, he looks and he sees a situation that is void of God. And instead of, instead of acting on who he knows God to be, he acts out of his fear and leads other people around him into sin. But did you catch what God says about Abraham in this, in this section? In verse, in verse 7, it says, Now then return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. Let me ask you, if, if, if Abraham is supposed to be a prophet, is he acting like a prophet in this moment? Is he acting like someone who, who has closeness with God? Is he acting like someone who knows the character of God? Is he acting like someone? See, in, in, in chapter 18, Abraham goes to, is, is talking with God, interacting with God, and because of who he knows God to be, he intercedes for his, his, his nephew Lot. He, he intercedes and he prays boldly for Lot because of who he knows God to be. And now in this story, God is, is reminding Abraham through Abimelech of who Abraham is meant to be. He's meant to be a prophet. He's meant to be someone who knows God. He's meant to be someone who walks in the blessing of God so that he can be a blessing to those around him. And even in the moment where Abraham is not acting like a prophet, God reminds him of who he is, not who he is acting like. He reminds him of who he's becoming, not who he's acting like. Amen? That is a beautiful thing. That's awesome because what we see in the, in the remainder of the story, verse 14, then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, behold, my land is before you. Dwell where, wherever it pleases you. To Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It's a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Do you see what happened there? See, God reminded Abraham through Abimelech of who he was meant to be, of who God called him to be. He's saying, I'm, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless whoever blesses you. I'm going to curse whoever curses you. I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing to those around you. That's who you are. That's who you're meant to be. That's, that's what your life is meant to look like. And in this moment... Abraham looked at his situation. He saw that, hey, I got to take care of myself. And he acted out of fear, not out of who God has called him to be. And it just makes me wonder, as we look at Abraham's story and as we think about this progression, it makes me wonder about us, right? In the end of 19, we see Lot ending his story just checking out. Not being who, who God called him to be. Not, not being a blessing. Not, not be, I mean, he was... He was Abraham's heir, like he was Abraham's nephew. He, he was connected to the family of blessing. And yet we see the story ending on him, the sun setting on him with him just checking out. And then his descendants, his legacy, they are a stumbling block to everybody around him. And yet we see chapter 20 ending 
with Abraham being a blessing to those around him. See, I believe that when we, when we look at our situations and when we act not out of fear, when we, when we see these situations and we don't interpret fear or, or apprehension or whatever else, but we, but we react with who we know God to be, we get to be who God calls us to be. This just makes me wonder about our situations, the situations we are in. What, how are you viewing your situation? We all have situations, and sometimes I think about, like, I think in church we think about, like, think about where God is calling you. Think about what is in your future. I'm not, I'm not talking about future tense. I'm talking about present experience, present tense. Where are you at right now? Some of you as students, you're getting ready to graduate, or, or you're just getting ready to, to end the semester, and you're going to go home, and you're going to be leaving your community. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you're in a job that's like, I don't, I don't like this job. I don't know why I'm in this job. Maybe you're in a marriage where, where you don't really, I mean, it's not going well, or maybe it is going well, or maybe you're in a situation where, where it's like you're, you're single, and you don't know what's going on with that, or, or maybe, maybe your kids are, are tough, and, and just all, we're all in these situations. And the question is, how are you interpreting the situation that God has you in right now? As you look at your situation, what do you see? As you, as you look at students, as you look at your summers, what do you see? For, for me, when I was a student, I saw incredible opportunities to walk away from God. I feared my summers because it meant leaving my community. It meant leaving the place that I had grown so much in Christ and going back to a place where I had no support, I had no friends who were following Jesus, and it was really difficult. And so I saw every time I went home, it's like, well, this is my lot, kind of. I mean, this is, it's gonna be tough. But what if, and I, and I think you guys went over this in Salkamon, what if you saw your summers you looked and you're like, I'm going home for the summer. And you saw it not as, not as you're going to screw up, but you saw it as, as a commissioning to go out. And you saw it as you get to impact your friends back home. You get to impact your family back home. What if that's the way you saw it? I, a friend of mine up in, up in Iowa, she, um, she was working at this factory job. And she, I remember she would always say, I don't know why God has me here. She looked at her situation, and she could have seen it, and she could have said, man, this is just hopeless. I hate my job. I'm just going to get through. But she didn't. She saw God. She responded to her experience by seeing God as a God who can work through anything. And she, she started Bible studies at her job. In, in her break room, she would read her Bible and get into spiritual conversations, and she saw people come to know Jesus because of how she looked and responded to her factory job that seemed to be a dead-end job. What about you? What's your situation? Where are you at? What if we showed up in the stories that God is writing for us, and we respond to situations by who we know God to be? What, what would that look like? What would that look like for you? This past week, and I, I want to just end it with this, this past week, um, my kids and I, we, we were out running errands, and it was kind of one of, this, one of these things where it's like, all right, gotta, just, I just want to get home. It was getting late, and, and I remembered we're out of milk, you know, and, and so it's like, all right, milk, milk, where am I going to get milk, and where's the closest place, and, and so like, well, Aldi, Aldi's the closest place, and I, uh, I got to Aldi, and we ran up to the door, and I ran up to the door, and I ran into the door because it was like 8.05, and they close at 8, it's like, pfft. 
And then I was mad because I just ran into the, the door because it didn't open, you know. And then, and then it's like, what, you know, for a second I was like, there's people in there. What's, I just want milk. But it was closed. And so then it's like, all right, where's the next place? Okay, Gerbs. Gerbs is, is closed. So, so we ran over to Gerbs and, and uh, I just ran in. The kids stayed in the van. And of course, they keep the milk in the furthest place from the front door that it could possibly be. So I went clear to the back, clear, you find it. I hate grocery stores. And I, I go to the back and I get the milk and I'm, I'm walking out and I got the milk and I'm kind of frustrated and that I have to be here. And as I'm walking out, I see this woman kneel down kind of in the back of the store. And she was kneeled down like this and she was, she was counting. Um, sorry, uh, my timer just went off. She was counting her change in her hand. And she had some, some things, and I looked at the situation, and I, felt, I really felt like God was saying, give her your change. And I, and I thought in that moment, I'm like, God, I don't have any money. Like, I don't, I don't have any, anything in my wallet. I don't, I don't have anything. And then, and then I felt in my pockets, like, oh, wait a second. I felt in, and I, I pulled out a quarter and a penny. <laughs> it's like, I have 26 cents. Are you kidding me? I just felt like God was saying, give her your change. You know what I did in that moment? I put that back in my pocket, and I said no, because she's going to be insulted. I'm going to look like a fool. If I, if I go up and I say, hey, I, I, I see that you need some change. I have 26 cents. <laughs> That's stupid. I'm not going to do that. And so I kept walking out, and I kept thinking, okay, if I see her again, then I'll know it's an, another sign, and then I'll give her the 26 cents. You know, I was kind of doing all that stuff. But I paid, and guess what? I didn't see her again. And I didn't really even think about it until I started writing this out. Because I wonder, as I was writing this out, and I felt conviction from God, I wonder what would have happened if I would have responded to the moment by realizing, by knowing that God is the God who can do amazing things with 26 cents. I wonder what would have happened. I wonder what would have happened in in that moment if I would have remembered who God called me to be, which is a blessing to those around me. Anthem Church, what would it look like if we responded to whatever situation you're in this morning by knowing that God is the God that can do amazing things through the blood of Jesus Christ with whatever it is that we have? What if we responded in that way? What could happen? I want to I pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. We praise you, God, that you are the God who does amazing things with, with, with little to nothing. God, I praise you. I praise you, God, that we can, that we can be people, that we can look at our situations, and God, instead of responding out of fear, we can respond with, a, with an understanding of who you are. And God, out of that, we can be people who walk in who you call us to be. Help us to be those people, God. It's in your name. Amen.